you are listening to The Wellness Project. I'm your host, Des, and this is episode number 115. Hello, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that your 2023 is going well so far. Mine has been a bit rocky, but that is okay. I am moving forward, persevering. But I hope you are doing well. I hope that your year is off to a great start. I'm really excited about this season. As you know, I'm doing bi-weekly episodes, which I wanted to do last season, but I've been very resistant to it because I interview so many amazing people with so many incredible stories, and I hate holding them back from you. I love sharing people's stories. I think they're so valuable. I love speaking with my guests. I learn so much. I enjoy the conversation so much, but I had no choice. I was drowning. I was overwhelmed. And honestly, doing bi-weekly episodes right now, I am feeling so much better. And I love being able to put my efforts into other things to share with you. I have some big things planned, so I'm super excited, one of which being my February workshop that I'm running throughout the month of February. If you want to hear more about that, I am going to share about that in the outro after the interview, so stay tuned to hear about that. And if you want to buy a ticket to my month-long self-love workshop, the link is in the show notes. I really hope to see you there. I'm super excited about it. On today's episode, I am speaking with Dr. Emmy Vita Estacio about imposter syndrome. I'm so glad that Dr. Emmy is here today because imposter syndrome is something that I talk about a lot. It's something that a lot of people struggle with, including myself. I struggle with imposter syndrome quite a bit, and it's something that I'm always trying to overcome. So I'm really looking forward to speaking with Dr. Emmy. This is something that she researches. This is something that she studies. This is something that she wrote a book on. So I'm really looking forward to hearing her expertise. If you are somebody that struggles with imposter syndrome, then you definitely don't want to miss this episode. And if you're not quite sure what imposter syndrome is, then definitely listen to this episode because she's going to go over what it is, some of its symptoms, and how you can figure out if you are struggling with imposter syndrome. Help me welcome Dr. Emmy. All right, everyone. I am here with Emmy. Emmy, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Des. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I am so excited to be speaking with you today because we are speaking about imposter syndrome. Yes, that's right. I'm I'm really excited to have this conversation with you because imposter syndrome is something that uh, a lot of people struggle with, especially in this day and age when, when we compare ourselves a lot with, with other people and we feel that we're not good enough, even if we actually are okay and, and we are competent at what we do. Oh, yeah, definitely. I agree. So many people struggle with imposter syndrome, and I know I definitely have. So I would love to get us started if you could just introduce to us who you are, what it is you do, if you've had any personal experiences with imposter syndrome. Sure. So my background is in psychology. I'm a chartered psychologist and I've been in academia for over 20 years. So I have experience of doing uh, research, teaching psychology and really understanding how how we are impacted by our feelings of self-doubt and feelings of incompetence. And with my understanding in psychology, how we would be able to cope with these feelings so that we are able to do what we have to do in our lives. 
Uh, at the moment, I've uh, shifted my careers, which is actually quite exciting because after 20 plus years in academia, I've now moved into the online space where I help other authors uh, write and publish their books on Amazon. But what's interesting is wherever I go, whatever field I, I, I move into, I always experience um, these feelings of coming into a new territory and, and questioning whether I'm good enough um, to do this thing, whether whether or not I'm already qualified or whether I have the skills already, there is always this doubt that um, maybe people will think that I'm just faking it or people might find out that I'm a fraud, you know, which actually is, is not not necessarily the case because when you're putting yourself out there, you, you need to have the courage and you know have the ability to actually embrace what you're doing but yeah there is always this um nagging feeling that ooh you know this is unfamiliar territory this is new territory um maybe i'm not you know i don't deserve to be in that space or maybe people will think that i'm i'm just a fraud and fooling them even when you have the competence and the skills to actually help people out so that's my background and certainly for you know as far as imposter syndrome is concerned this unshakable feeling you know this persistent feeling of self-doubt incompetence and inadequacy you know it happens in people who are um, coming into a new space maybe shifting their careers maybe they are starting in a new job or people who are already uh, have th these years of experience in their field they still experience imposter syndrome from time to time, especially when they are given new roles and responsibilities and feeling that they are out of their depth and, and they're questioning whether they are good enough for the job. Okay, thank you so much for explaining that. So basically you're saying imposter syndrome is when somebody is in a field, whether new or they're seasoned in that field, but they're feeling inadequate. They're having that self-doubt. They feel like a fraud. Yes, that's it. It's this persistent feeling of self-doubt, incompetence, and inadequacy. For, for most of us, yes, we do experience self-doubt from time to time. But what makes imposter syndrome different is it is persistent. That even if you've shown this track record of competence, you, you, you are already being given all of these uh, awards, for example, you are already getting excellent feedback on your work, you still feel as if you're never good enough and that you are worried that despite all of the uh, praises that, that, that you receive, you, you might still feel as if people are going to find out eventually that you are just faking it, even when the truth is that you are actually, um, you are good at what you do, but you have this nagging feeling that you are not. Where do you think this persistent feeling comes from? Where does this imposter syndrome come from if somebody has the qualifications, if they are a good fit for that position, if they know their stuff, like you said, they've gotten the, the awards? Where do you think this stems from? Unfortunately, it could be um, a vicious cycle. So for those um, who are, for example, at the early stages of their career, obviously they might be feeling self-doubt, they might be feeling their you know, they're fish out of water, but they still have to do what they need to do because it is their job. So so they do it and they try to overstretch themselves. They overwork because they are afraid that if they don't do as much work as 
as humanly possible that they might fail. So this is what they, they tend to do. And I suppose I am in this category wherein I will stretch myself as much as I can um, to make sure that I deliver 100% despite um, the fact that you can actually get it done in, let's say, you know, without having to work 60 hours a week. The problem with that is if you are, if you have this work pattern wherein you have to um, overstretch yourself and, 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 and go beyond your limit. When you do finish your, your task and you do a good job, you might say to yourself, it's not that I am good at what I do. It's because I overstretched myself. If I was given the, the same amount of time as everyone else, for sure, I'm going to fail. So instead of the accomplishment and the task being done well, alleviating the feeling of self-doubt it could aggravate the feeling of incompetence and inadequacy with you thinking that it's not that i'm good at what i do it is because i overstretched myself it's because i overworked this will fuel that that feeling eventually for for example for people like myself who who really overwork we end up getting burned out and you know this obviously will have um, implications on your physical, mental, and psychological health. Um, sometimes it will have repercussions on your on your social life as well. Because if you have this feeling that if you don't overwork, if you don't let's say overcompensate for this self doubt that you are having, then you know everything is going to fall apart, and that doesn't really help. Uh, appease the feelings of imposter syndrome it actually aggravates it and it becomes a vicious cycle as a result i'm really glad you brought that up because i was wondering what do you think are the effects that imposter syndrome can have on somebody's mental health their physical health their emotional well-being yes for for many people who experience imposter syndrome even if they are doing a great job sometimes it takes the job satisfaction away from from what you do because you are um yeah overstretching yourself and for for people who are working too many hours um because they feel as if if they don't they're going to fail they could miss out on on social social engagement so you might miss out in terms of your, uh, you know, you might have some friction with your relationships and you'll be missing out on, on social engagements. Also, when it comes to, to the physical consequences, so many people who have um, imposter syndrome also experience burnout. You know, they burn themselves out to the point of physical exhaustion. So as far as the physical well-being is concerned, it's also impacted, but essentially, imposter syndrome has adverse consequences on your psychological well-being your self-esteem if if not addressed effectively yeah as i've mentioned earlier it could be a vicious circle that despite you completing the tasks and and doing a a really good job it doesn't really help appease the the, the feeling of incompetence because you're not addressing the root cause for many people who experience imposter syndrome as well, they have these maladaptive perfectionist tendencies that even if they're doing a good enough job, they would say this is not good enough. They tend to focus on things that didn't go well, um, things that they could still be improved, and they could make a, a huge fuss 
over things that are not really that important. And so, as I mentioned earlier, no job satisfaction is, is taken out of the equation, but also this um, self-esteem and, and self-doubt, you know, the, the, the feelings that you're not good enough is, is aggravated because you couldn't really embrace the fact that you've done a good job, that, that you're, you're doing well because the imposter syndrome is just really eating up uh, the, the joy out of what you are doing. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And that's interesting that you brought up the perfectionist tendencies. Do you see a link between perfectionism and imposter syndrome? Yeah. So we'll have to differentiate between adaptive perfectionism and maladaptive perfectionism. People who are adaptive perfectionists um, tend to have a growth mindset. What this means is that they will do something, they will review what they have done, and they will look for ways to refine their craft. They can still find satisfaction in what they've done, but recognizing that they can always refine it and, and make it better. So this is adaptive perfectionist. It's, you know, it's, these are people who want to refine what they do and, and you know, improve at what they do. You know? So this is associated with having a growth mindset. Maladaptive perfectionism, on the other hand, which is associated with imposter syndrome, is when you do something and yes, you will look for ways to um, refine and, and improve what you've done. However, you cannot actually see the good things that you have done. So that's actually the difference between adaptive and maladaptive perfectionism. It's okay to be a perfectionist if it doesn't actually take the joy out of what you're doing. But what happens with maladaptive perfectionism is yes, you are aiming for, for, for perfection, but the trouble is it's never gonna be good enough. You will never find satisfaction in your work until you achieve perfection which is never achieved for someone who has experienced maladaptive perfectionism. So when you have this maladaptive perfectionist tendency, it is associated with imposter syndrome because if you don't achieve 100% perfection, then that makes you a fraud. It's quite illogical in that sense because just because there are some minor tweaks that you can still do and, and improve the improvements that you can still make, in what you do it doesn't necessarily make you a fraud it just means that it's a work in progress as we all are maladaptive perfectionism and imposter syndrome are linked uh, simply because for import for people who experience imposter syndrome just because they haven't achieved 100 percent perfection yet it makes them feel as if they are a fraud as a result of that Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I could definitely see how that could be a vicious cycle. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much for explaining that. And why do you think it is that so many people struggle with imposter syndrome? Well, I think in this day and age, um, there is, uh, you know, social comparison all around. Uh, we tend to compare ourselves uh, to people who probably have 10, 15 or 20 years you know, ahead of us, and especially for those who are at the early stages of their careers, or for those who are pivoting, who have made the, a career change and starting something new, um, they, they feel as if 
they are not good enough because they are comparing themselves to people who have been doing it for for many many years so in this day and age it's it's so easy to fall into the trap of social comparison and for us comparing ourselves with people who are way ahead of us so this is more amplified in this day and age that's why uh, many people experience imposter syndrome now but on the other hand we've seen from research that about 70 percent of us um, experience imposter syndrome uh, at some point in our lives anyway so it's not something that is unusual but the good thing now is that there is space for us to talk about it to actually normalize it quite a bit you know to recognize that it's okay to feel this way sometimes as long as you're able to recognize it acknowledge what it is and be able to embrace yourself as a human being who is not perfect and who can experience imposter syndrome too and to find ways to reach out for help to look for um, strategies to help you adapt and enable you to actually get on with what you have to do without feeling this um, guilt or without feeling this uncertainty that people are going to think that you are a fraud. So yeah, most of us, majority of us, 70% of us will experience imposter syndrome. It is amplified in this day and age. But what I would like to emphasize in, in, in our conversation today is that it is okay to feel this way. It is not uncommon. It is important for us to be able to acknowledge what it is, to understand what it is, where the unhelpful beliefs are coming from. So we would be able to understand what it is and be able to use some strategies, look for ways to first of all, reach out for help if that's needed, or to have um, strategies so we can adjust and adapt to to how we are feeling, to the mental processes that are that's going on, and to enable us to do what we have to do without feeling guilty or feeling that we are incompetent and that we are frauds. I didn't realize that number was so high, 70%, but that makes a lot of sense, especially how you said it's amplified now because of the social comparison. We have all these various ways to compare ourselves to others now, all this social media. We log on to whatever social media app it is, and there's other people doing amazing in their lives. So that definitely makes a lot of sense that as to why that is so amplified now. So I would love if we could get into how you said there are strategies, there are things that we can do to embrace ourselves, to limit that social comparison. Could you share some of those strategies? Oh, sure. Well, in, in my book, uh, The Imposter Syndrome Remedy, I talk about the TLC technique. Now, it, some people might think that it's it means tender loving care. On the one hand, it yeah, you need to give yourself a little bit of tender loving care. Um, even if you have these inner critics um, in your head, these are the unhelpful thoughts that we tell ourselves. And there may be some self-help gurus that might say, ah, you know, when you have inner critics, you need to crush it, you need to silence it and, and all that. But what I would have to say about that is there's actually no need to be aggressive towards your inner critic because ultimately your inner critic is is you you know that that that's an, the the voice inside your head but instead of trying to crush it or trying to silence it when we talk about the TLC um sequence you're actually being more gentle and and trying to be more 
open to exploring where these inner critic messages are coming from. So when it comes to the TLC questioning sequence, I encourage my clients to actually ask three questions when, when they experience imposter syndrome. And you ask, is it true? Is it logical? And is it, is it constructive? So let's say, for example, you are telling yourself um, you are you are starting at, at your new job or you're starting a new project and you're telling yourself, I'm not competent or I'm not qualified um, to do this job. The first question that you need to ask is, is it true? You know, this is particularly the case for um, early career professionals. You know, I've I've worked for over 20 years uh, as a, you know, in academia, as a university lecturer, and I've seen my students, you know, get their training and qualification in psychology. And when they graduate, you know, they they get a job and they ask themselves, oh, you know, I don't think I'm qualified and I don't think I'm competent enough to do this job. And what I encourage them to do is ask the question, is it true? You know, because more often than not, it is actually a lie that you are telling yourself um, because you, you do have the qualifications, you, you do have the experience, you have been trained. And even if you are new at that job and you're thinking, I don't have those years of experience yet, you may have transferable skills that you've gained from previous um, life experience that makes you qualified um, to do that job. And the second question that I ask them to, to, to ask is, is it logical? So you ask, is it true? The second question is, is it logical? Because more often than not, if someone trusted you to do that job, it is quite illogical to hire someone who is incompetent or to hire someone who is not qualified to do that job. So you, you need to ask that question. Is it true? Is it logical? And the third question is, is it constructive? Because you need to ask yourself, how would this thinking help me to do the job at hand. If I keep telling myself I'm not good enough or I'm not qualified enough to do the, to do the job, how is that going to help me to get the job done? Also, if you are someone who has pivoted, maybe it is true that you are new at, new at, at this uh, field. Maybe you are feeling incompetent or maybe you are not experienced enough. And maybe it is true that that you are new you know because the first question is it true that that you are new maybe it is true and the second question is is it logical more often than not it is illogical because just because you are new at something it doesn't mean that you are a fraud it just means that you're starting out right so the third question is is it constructive instead of pulling yourself down ask yourself are there new skills that I have to gain? Is there someone that can help me get better at this? You know, what tools and, and what strategies can I use to make me get the job done? Because more often than not, if we are new at something, there might be other people who are several years ahead of us who, who might be able to support us. You don't have to face um, you know, the, the task at hand on your own. You could always reach out for help, learn from other people, learn from those who are who, who already have more experience and um, those who already have a track record. 
And this is something that, that I often tell people who are at the early stages of their career or those who are just starting out and, and pivoting. Always ask the question, TLC questioning sequence, is it true? Is it logical? Is it constructive? Because if you ask these questions, you will realize that sometimes the, the, the beliefs and, and the messages that you're telling yourself are untrue illogical and destructive and you need to find ways to make these uh, messages work for you so you don't have to um, suffer from from imposter syndrome you don't have to face this on your own and you'll be able to find more constructive ways to to deal what we have what you have to do um, using this tlc questioning sequence those are really great tips. I love that TLC questioning sequence. It makes a lot of sense and it's easy for somebody to remember too. And that's a great way to challenge your thoughts and kind of bring yourself back to reality and question those those maladaptive thoughts. They, thank you for sharing that. That's a really great tip that I think will help a lot of people. Wonderful. And I have to say for for now that now that I'm working as a self-publishing um, coach, even for the people who have been expert, who are experts in their field and they're now writing books, you know, they are publishing books, they still do experience imposter syndrome. And sometimes we do use the TLC questioning sequence. I ask them, is it true that you are not qualified? Um, is it logical that just because you haven't written a book yet, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't write one at all? And we, we I do ask them the question, is it constructive? How does feeling sorry for yourself, for example, help you in, in, in any way? The TLC questioning sequence works uh, very well, but at times when the inner um, critic messages are so strong, because it some of these messages might be ingrained in you for 20 or 30 years already that, that you've been telling these messages in your head over and over again, it can be difficult for us to, to challenge um, these uh, messages. The TLC questioning sequence might not be as powerful because the, the messages um, are, are so ingrained in you. And so if, if that um, strategy doesn't work, the shortcut that I use for, for most of my clients now, especially the ones who are, who are about to write and publish books and they are questioning, oh, you know, who am I to, to speak or I'm not good enough to write this book or people are going to judge me. When the TLC questioning sequence, um, when it doesn't work, the, the strategy that I use with them is the, the flashlight technique. And what I do with the flashlight technique is it's very simple. I ask my clients to imagine as if they are holding a flashlight. And when they are holding their flashlight and they flash the light onto themselves and they all they see is this self-doubt and all these um, uh, bad messages, you know, this these negative messages that they, they tell themselves, when they flash the light onto themselves, that then that's what they're going to see. The remedy to that is I ask them, instead of flashing the light onto yourself, you need to flash the light out. You need to flash the light out to those people you are aiming to serve. If you are writing a book and you know that your book is going to serve so many people, if you've written, for example, a story of your survival of domestic abuse, or let's say you've written a book to help others 
cope with uh, mental health difficulties, instead of flashing the light onto yourself, you flash the light out to those people whose lives will be better because you are delivering something. Even if you are doubting yourself, all of us will doubt ourselves from, from time to time. Imposter syndrome will creep in from time to time. But instead of flashing the light onto your self-doubt and all these feelings of incompetence, flash the light out, you know, see all of those people whose lives will be better because you are doing what you have to do, even if you are scared, even if you are questioning yourself, even if you're thinking all these, um, you know, unhelpful thoughts in your head. When you see those people whose lives will be better, those people who will who, who you will serve, sometimes, you know, these, the imposter syndrome just melts away because it's not about you anymore. It's about those people you will serve, you know, those people whose lives will be better because you will do what you have to do, even if you are scared, even if you're doubting yourself, the imposter syndrome will just, uh, you know, melt away. I, I, I can assure, you know, the flashlight technique, this is the shortcut that I use with my clients all the time when, you know, when we are about to hit the publish button and they're asking themselves, oh goodness, I'm not good enough to do this. I, I do the flashlight um, technique with them and, you know, the fire in their belly to, to serve others just gets ignited and the imposter syndrome just melts away. Oh, that's great. And I think that's a really great shift in perspective and, you know, really focus on what, how you want to help and how you want to help others and what you want to put out into the world. And I think that could help with anybody in any field in whatever projects that they are trying to work on. And yeah, that's really great. Thank you, Dr. Emmy. This has been really great. Do you have any words of wisdom or encouragement for those that have been struggling with imposter syndrome? The one thing that I would like to say is, uh, you know, so many of us do experience imposter syndrome. And so if you're someone who's feeling the self-doubt sometimes, or actually, even if it's not sometimes, if you're feeling this persistent self-doubt, even if you're doing a good job and you, you can't actually see the good job that you are doing, don't feel guilty um, about feeling this way. So many of us feel this way. But the important thing um, that you need to do really is to acknowledge that you are human, that these feelings are normal. Um, and I would like you to just take care of yourself, embrace yourself for who you are, this beautifully imperfect person that you are. And if there are things that you have to do, even if you are feeling the self-doubt, do practice the TLC questioning sequence. Ask yourself, is it true? Is it logical? Is it constructive? And if um, those thoughts are still persistent and it hasn't melted away, I would encourage you to try the flashlight technique. Um, you know, shine the light out to those people. You know, the impact that you are going to to make because you have this courage to do what you have to do, even if you are feeling the self doubt sometimes. Oh, thank you so much for that. That's really great. Dr. Emmy, this has been so amazing. I know so many people struggle with imposter syndrome. I think that your tips can really help a lot of people. So can you share with everyone where they can find you and your book? Oh, sure. Well, my book is available on Amazon. So you just need to type in imposter syndrome remedy. 
Um, or if you just uh, find me on Amazon, just type Emmy Estasio, you'll find my books there. Um, Imposter Syndrome Remedy, uh, Change Your Life for Good, and Fear is Not My Enemy. Um, these are based on my years of experience uh, as a psychologist and uh, you know just really trying to make it as accessible you know the psychological strategies that can help you to to cope with imposter syndrome with self-doubt and fear so you can do what you have to do without um, feeling guilty and really embracing your true worth and in the value that you bring in this world Oh, great. Everyone, I'm going to put those links in the show notes. Go check out Dr. Emmy and her book. Dr. Emmy, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, and I hope you found that helpful. Dr. Emmy, thank you so much for being here today. This was such a great conversation. I love talking about imposter syndrome. I think it's something that is so important to talk about. So thank you for having this conversation with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. All of Dr. Emmy's links are in the show notes, so definitely go check her out. I can't believe that it's already February, the International Month of Love, but if you've been following me for a while, you know that I like to call February the month of self-love. I'm going to be running a workshop throughout the month of February in a private Facebook group all about self-love, diving deep into self-love, what it is, how you may be affected if you struggle with self-love, the different ways that that shows up in your life. I'm going to be going live at least once a week in the group with different activities, different events. I'm going to be providing you with different reflective journaling prompts. We're going to be diving really deep into self-love. So if you're somebody that struggles with self-love, self-doubt, you have low self-esteem, low confidence, then I really hope to see you there. Tickets are just $27 for an entire month of content and access to me daily and multiple live events weekly. But if you share the event on social media, you could either send me a screenshot via message on Facebook or Instagram, or you can email me, or you can tag me on social media. I will send you the promo code for a 10% off discount. The link to the event is in the show notes, so definitely go check that out. If you are not quite ready for a 30-day workshop with me, then definitely grab the 30-day self-love challenge freebie. It's a downloadable and printable PDF that's going to go straight to your email inbox, and it includes 30 simple and actionable exercises you can do each day throughout the month of February to practice self-love. Self-love is one of the most important types of love. We all could use some more self-love in our lives. So go to the show notes, check out the events, get your free PDF, and start loving on yourself. I hope to see you there. I'll see you in two weeks with another incredible guest. Thanks for being here.